Hello! I always wanted to intro like that. I sound like a fat pirate. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Art Spiritual Podcast. What's going on? It's Art hanging out with you. I did this one solo. Uh, Lately, Span and I have been splitting up interviews just to get more content and then trying to find the time to edit up all the content and post it so you can check it out. But uh, this one and all a podcast brought to you by Charlotte Shoe Repair, our friends at Charlotte Shoe Repair. I have my Thoroughgood boots on right now, and I feel fancy. Uh, Whenever I have my Thoroughgood boots on, something good's going to happen. I just have that feeling. They're my good luck boots, and uh, they bring me joy, comfort, and pleasure. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Seriously, check out Charlotte Shoe Repair uh, at charlotteshoerepair.com, located in beautiful downtown Charlotte. If you are looking for boots, they got them. If you are looking uh, to get your boots repaired, your leather repaired, they can do that too. Travis and the whole crew, decades of experience, and again, located in beautiful downtown Charlotte. Check them out at charlotteshoerepair.com. This interview, very excited to uh, debut uh, with Andy Hall from Manchester Orchestra. Uh, The Mean Everything to Nothing album for me was so important. It was released 10 years ago. They were doing the anniversary tour. I couldn't miss an opportunity to sit down and talk with Andy about the band, about the progress of the band from the past 10 years. They put out so many, you know, Hope and Cope since then, uh, Black Mile. They put out so many projects since then. Uh, And it was just great to talk to him, uh, not only about, you know, uh, the past and everything, but moving forward. The band is still very much active. Uh, Andy is a a genius when it comes to uh, all the side projects he has. He has a project with Kevin Devine. He has a solo project. Just a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Bad books as well. That is part of the Kevin Devine project. Uh, Definitely, if you have not checked out the band Manchester Orchestra or Andy Hall in general, check them out. Seriously. And Without further ado, here is my interview with Andy Hall from Manchester Orchestra on the Art and Span Show podcast. Q106, Michigan's rock station, Art and Span Show, and uh, we are backstage with Andy from Manchester Orchestra. What's up, man? Hey, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, obviously trying to stay warm because it's cold. You're from yeah. Georgia, so... Yes. Yeah. We've been in the north for a good bit of this tour, so it's been Patagonia jackets and yeah. staying inside. Yeah. What do you... I've always wondered, like, you're obviously on the road a lot, but you just put the jackets back in the closet, I'm assuming, when you're back in Georgia. The best thing about a Patagonia is that it's super light, and you can sort of... You can fold it into its own pocket and carry it around, so... That's uh, I had no big. idea. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. why they're so expensive. It makes I, sense. Yeah, now. I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. I got it as a Christmas present last year. I haven't been using it like crazy. Yeah. So the uh, Mean Everything to Nothing tour, yeah. uh, 10 year anniversary. Yeah. Is it crazy to you that that 10 years has gone by? Like, it certainly feels fast and slow at the same time. Um, I feel like a big sense of gratitude just because it's a record that we had to fight really hard to make the way we wanted to make. And, um, it was a different sound for what we were had, had done in our first record and, and sort of a leap of faith for all of us to try it. So mm-hmm. um, the fact that people love it and are singing along to it this many years later and it still remained, a lot of people's like, you know, favorite records of ours is awesome. And um, we still enjoy playing it, which is really nice. Yeah. Our sound has sort of, t- you know, gone in a different direction from that record um, in ways. And so it's really fun to sort of just like play really big rock songs when you think of that album as a whole and obviously playing it front to back Mm -hmm. on stage every night what were the main things that you learned now from that album 10 years ago oh just you know i i'm really big into sequencing and it really matters to me how a record flows so um you know the intention of the record was that the first five songs would be relentless and just smacking you the whole time no breaks in between and then 
at track six is sort of the end of side A, and then we're sort of taken in the second half of the record is a more sort of dreamy vibe um, and a little bit more chilled. So that's been interesting, the first couple of shows, learning how to pace ourselves for yeah. those first five. Um, is it hard to just, I mean, on the album, you can just listen to it and skip and find the tracks that you sure. want. When you're doing it live yeah. and doing it in sequence, it is, yeah. it's got to it be It works tough. really well, which is nice because the record's sequenced well, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's been a bit of a challenge just physically learning how to pace yourself for five bangers in a row like yeah. that. You know? Now, having an album that was, I mean, 10 years ago to now, you guys have evolved and changed so much since then. Are there certain songs that you're like, man, we have to play that one live? Like, it's- Right. Well, you know, just the ones that we literally had never played live, and that was just more of a fear yeah. thing because we'd never done it. So songs like The Only One and Tony the Tiger, we literally never played them as a band. So... You know, tonight will be like the eighth time we've ever played that song. Yeah. But I'm fortunate, man. And I, I really love all of them. So there isn't a moment for me where I'm like, ugh, again. It's like so cool that this is, was on our record. I feel yeah. lucky. You know, it's it's crazy because like doing these as interviews with so many different artists, um, you can tell which ones take it as like a job. Is like, hey, I've got to do this. Sure. And you, like you're not just Manchester Orchestra. Right. You have bad books. You yeah. have, you know, your solo projects. When you differentiate either writing music or writing lyrically, how do you separate between all of those other projects? You know, in recent years, I've really tried to, like, manifest all of that and direct all of that into Manchester. Like, Black Mile, our last record, was the first record where I thought, all right, I've got, like, four really great, what I consider great songs that are based around the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, that would always go towards a Bad Books thing or maybe one song on a Manchester thing with the idea is like, no, why don't I take like the best songs that I'm writing and put it into this thing that I like care so deeply about? I feel like yeah. Manchester is a representation of like my life's work. So it's been cool to, to like, we took Bad Books in a totally different direction in order to sort of free up some space to what we could do and push Manchester into becoming with this next chapter of our band, which is already sort of, it's very exciting and different sounding for us. Um, so yeah, and obviously right away, great captain is a, is a, a project that's story based. And so mm-hmm. that really just depends on if I can come up with a cool way to continue that story or not. And if right. something sort of works over in that area, then yeah, go there. Now with the project with Kevin divine, for those that don't know bad books, obviously a uh, very folk based, very, yeah, um, especially the last record. Yeah. Sure. How did that all come together? Because you've known Kevin for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole band came together just from friendship. We were, you know, guys who loved a deep, long conversation after, you know, playing a show and a long van ride to the next city and very different people, but we're also really similar in a lot of ways. And we we think and worry about the same things. Um, So, you know, we just sort of got together to see if any of that would work. Mm -hmm. Um, And it did work. And so we sort of kept experimenting in our second record. Our first record was pretty like half folk, half rock record. And second record was more of a rock record. For this last one, we really wanted to strip it down to almost nothing um, and just have two acoustics in our voices and stuff like that. So, I mean... Uh, I feel like we're just allergic to repeating ourselves. It doesn't feel right to try and do the exact same thing or recapture any moment. So that's what the record felt like it should have been, you know, at the time. And I'm always looking at things in the discography of how things fit. So, you know, I didn't consider it like the final bad books record. So it's kind of cool to me that the same way, like in our Manchester record, like we have an album called cope. Mm -hmm. 
that was just a relentless thing with this other side called Hope that was the same songs but a little different lyrics and, and produced differently. Um, I always thought that would be a cool thing to somehow have, you know, in the um, the catalog of stuff. You yeah, know? it's it's kind of a cool like little punky moment. Yeah, you and speaking of your catalog, obviously with having so many different projects, you also did Swiss Army mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, obviously, and listening to that soundtrack, it's unlike any other soundtrack ever. Like it's it's it's, it's a lot of. Um, Echoes and almost like you're in a chamber hearing these vocals yeah. and the ebb and flow, you know, is, is supposed to go with the movie. How difficult was that doing something completely different from Manchester and Bad Books? Yeah, really hard. I mean, it was a recoding of how we looked at things and, and musical moments and um, dynamics, you know, like learning how to make something that's 13 seconds long, really gorgeous, yeah. made us care about a 13 second outro of a Manchester song way more than we used to. So it's to. putting all that stuff together then. A thousand percent. Yeah, it's yeah. become a really amazing tool. Yeah. Also just having somebody else direct you, you know, we're always sort of the vision leaders um, when it comes to Manchester records, but when you're working on somebody's movie, yeah, you know, we would create tons of music that we really loved and it just wasn't right for the scene. And so we would have to kind of bow down to somebody else's vision and that was really, really cool. Is it, is it hard though? Because it's, it's almost like, Art is the way that you interpret it, sure. and everybody interprets it differently. Yeah, it felt like shared art, which was really cool. Okay, you know, it felt like ours instead of mine. Okay, uh, so you know this story and all this, you know these visuals that we're gonna have to put this music to that doesn't belong to me, and so I'm really there to service the okay. movie, you know, and it's yeah. my job to make my service the best that it can be. That's um, a great way to put it. Yeah, because you're you're using your lens to look at art. And trying to put it, you know, put it in your terms would also fit their vision as well. Exactly. It's going to be tough, man. Yeah. I mean, it took us 13 months, you know. Wow. It, it was there. It was the Daniel's first movie. So we, it was a lot of just failing forward and figuring out the best way to, yeah. to do it. And I'm supremely proud of the way that it turned out. How did you guys get together? Like, how did you, did he discover Manchester and then? Yeah. So it's a directing duo called Daniel's and they did the video for Simple Math, a song from our record, yeah. Simple Math. Um and they actually ended up winning a bunch of awards for that video because the visuals were like so unlike stuff people had seen in music videos. And uh, so we thought, and then they did the video for Turn Down for What, um, the DJ Snake video. And that a thing complete got different. Yeah, like, but that yeah. thing got like 800 billion views or something. And so we were like, man, we're never going to hear from those guys again. That's <laughs> and then they got accepted into the Sundance Labs. And we're like, yeah, this is probably it, you know. And uh, luckily, they we, we released Cope and Hope. And I wasn't totally clear what I was going to do the next year because it didn't feel like starting Manchester was right. And they ended up sending a text asking if I was interested in writing some music for the movie. And like, then you yeah. had 13 months of work right there. Now, That's is it right. true, you know, through going through Wikipedia and all that, sure. that there was 150 different, like, vocal mm-hmm. pieces? So is yeah, that, like, on, on Pro song. Tools or whatever? It's yeah. 150? Tracks, yeah. Depending on the song. I mean, there's some that were, like, four. You right. Know, because it's just the But you just think of 150, effects. and you think of, like listening to a song and how most people would be like, oh, that's one person singing with echo or whatever. Right. The work that goes into 150 different tracks on Pro Tools is insane. Yeah. Especially when it's all my voice. Yeah. Um, But, you know, a lot of that would be like, we need these ooze on this note and we need eight of them. Right. And we need ooze on this note and we need eight of them, you know, and we need to pan them left, right, you know, and do this because the movie was also mixed in Atmos, which is the sort of three dimensional speakers all around your head in a 360 area so like get, being able to mix it 
as if it's in someone's brain was yeah. extremely cool. Yeah. That would be so difficult. Like, that's just... I, <laughs> I think of, like, the work that goes into totally. it. It was, it was like, a day at a time kind oof. of thing, man. Like, we just we just kept chipping away, you know? Yeah. And we were being encouraged so much by the Daniels that, you know, it felt like we were on to something. And we loved the material we were making so much, we figured even if the whole movie falls apart and it doesn't happen, we have to release this as some sort of yeah. instrumental, you know, yeah. something. It's like a really... I, uh, some of the tracks, it's like a really weird drug trip. Like, I'm not going to yeah. lie. Like, the echoes that's and, like, right. the... Like this tunnel vision almost. Sure. Um, now you and Dustin from Thrice have toured together. Yeah, I've my, always my brother. Yeah, I've always been curious to know if you guys have either, and maybe I'm just uh, ignorant to it. If you guys have either ever done tracks and released them together, or if you ever have sat down and had plans to do that, because I think like you guys have such similar sound and you guys complement oh, cool. each other so well that you know, man, it's funny. I love him deeply, and he's a, a friend of mine. We we talk probably monthly, um, but we've never discussed um, making music together, and there hasn't been, really been a reason why. Probably just because he's on the West Coast and is a family man, as am I. Um, but you know, he named our last record "A Black Mile of the Surface." No, I, I did not. I, know I didn't. That. I didn't have a title for it, and I couldn't come up with a title for it. And we were sitting in a van together, heading to a show, and he's like, "Can I read the lyrics for the record as I'm listening?" And then he just picked out a couple phrases from the lyrics as some options. And the That's first so crazy. one he had was a black mile of the surface. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. And then that, everyone I told it to, they were like, it's perfect. Man. Yeah. So I was like, damn, Dustin's going to end up naming this thing. <laughs> That's great. So uh, are there future plans? Uh, maybe, I mean, obviously you guys haven't talked about it, but right. has it ever been put out to do the dual tour again? You know, oh, sure. Yeah, okay. that's always on the back of our mind because it's just yeah. he's a great companion and we, we do have some crossover fans, but we also have our own audiences. And, right. Um, he's a really enjoyable person to be around. So he's, yeah. he's like the very serious one and I'm the like jokey, you know, trying to make him laugh one. So we got a good dynamic. Yeah. Now, you're a big Smiths fan, correct? Yeah. I've always wanted to know. Uh, there's very much similarities between Manchester Orchestra and the Smiths. Like you sure, can, yeah, you can thanks. hear it, and and like I, even only one. Like that's the kind of one that sticks out to me the most. If you had a dream scenario to where Morrissey was like, "Hey, I will sing one of your songs. Right. You get to choose. What song would it be?" Hmm. Great question. I think it would have to be something like the most dramatic one. You know, because yeah. what I love so much about him is the absolute almost pithy um drama it, yeah it's so you know i was looking for a job and then i found a job and yeah heaven knows i'm miserable now <laughs> yeah it's just so like you know they're getting hit by a 10 ton t- you know bus. Course, yeah, it's yeah. so overly like yeah. perfectly dramatic so i don't know the only one might be a great one because that's sort of a very morrissey line i was thinking one. that one but then i was thinking you know shake it out too just because like it's it, when Morrissey's on this stage, he has this movement about him, mm-hmm. and it's just. But I, it was just something that I thought of because being a Smiths fan, it's like Morrissey is God, yeah, you know. Like totally. it's just like just to have the opportunity to perform a song that you wrote would be oh that would be insane. insane. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever met him? Have I've you, not. No. no? The, the dude who produced uh, "Mean Everything to Nothing" uh, is his like now full time producer and has done really? like, his last four or five records. So I know he's heard some some of our stuff before. It's but, gonna be crazy. Um, yeah, he's obviously a very interesting guy. Yeah, two more questions. Uh, Dream collab, obviously, you know, doing stuff with other bands that you work with in the same genre is fun. Yeah. But if you could pick one other artist, uh, obviously Alive would probably be yeah. the best scenario. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> who would it be? I mean, there's a producer who works on a lot of the Kanye stuff 
called Mike Dean that's apparently like impossible to find or get in a room with. Um, but I think he's like next level genius. Okay. Um, I give my arm to, to sit in a room with him for a day. Um, just production stuff that's sort of uh, next level. Yeah. I'd love to get in a room with Pharrell. I think that would be really cool. Um, just to see sort of how a dude like that how his brain works yeah really what i more than collaborating with somebody i just would love to like watch sit and learn type of thing what it is obviously like radiohead would be fun to be a fly in the wall for like a week at their studio to see what in the hell is going on over there yeah um yeah that's that's probably yeah that's that would be huge uh 2020 plans for manchester well working you know we're in the middle of trying to put together something um we're, I don't really know what percentage we're done with it or, or not. This time around, we haven't given ourselves any sort of deadline for, okay. for, for finishing the next project. So, Is um, that nice to have? Because, I mean, you you have your own record label, obviously. Yep. You know, yeah. Is that nice to have to where, you know, a lot of times with rock bands and bands in general, it's like, hey, we need this album by this date. You know? Well, we partnered with this label called Loma Vista, who has a lot of artists... Um, like sort of in a similar spot than as us where like um, they have a dedicated fan base yeah um, we're not like the largest and we're not the smallest fans um, but what's nice about that is like we us releasing an album isn't making or breaking the label right it doesn't I mean they're gonna work on it and we love them and they help us make records and they're really really helpful but they're never gonna be like we need it because the label's right. gonna fall. Yeah, if, if you don't, if put you it don't out. give us something by the end of the year, totally. Yeah. So yeah. like, not feeling that pressure at all. You know, we've been working on this thing for like ten weeks, and I might do that. The label has not heard a single bit of music. Yeah, it's just like you know, when you're ready, send it when you're ready. Yeah, that's a really it's got to be nice, really nice feeling because we're freaks in there. So like, we're we're putting all the pressure on ourselves, and um, we don't need like another outside source making us more nervous. We're already nervous. Yeah. Uh, any plans for any festival spots or any additional shows in, in 2020? I mean, obviously, it's it's maybe not so much difficult to talk about, but it's probably exhausting, too, because you've been on this run and <laughs> yeah. you're you know, coming you know, on the tail end. It's pretty clear right now. I mean, the, the big thing is just to keep working. Um, and uh, as things go, if we hopefully can finish something yeah. by next year, then, you know, as things go, there would probably be a tour. but. It's still so up in the air. I just don't really know what's exactly happening. I do have a Rider Your Captain uh, live album coming out at the oh, beginning awesome. of the year on vinyl. Um, so that'll be a thing. That'll yeah. A thing. Uh, last thing, the importance to you with vinyl, because you're one of the bands that really releases great packages oh, for you. fans. Um, something that I think that now in the days of like where album sales are diminishing, vinyl is kind of increasing. Sure. And it's such a unique thing that to even put up on the wall is awesome. Talk about the importance of having unique merch and having unique vinyl. And Well, I mean, you know, we're from a generation where like even the CD, like you open the CD and you open the booklet and you're combing through every lyric and you're seeing who worked on what and seeing who the band's thanking yeah. and, you know, what kind of guitars they use. And I always loved the, uh, the mystery of all that. And yeah. then the bands that wouldn't have any of that on there. And there yeah. were no lyrics. And you're going like, who is this? You know? Yeah. And, um, and I think vinyl is a continuation of that and a further exploration of like you can open this thing and it's... Well, it's like its own, its own separate art too because, you know... Yeah. yeah. And we always talk about like the smell of it. It's like when you get a new vinyl <laughs> and you open it, it's just yeah. there's something about it. It smells so good. Yeah. Um, so it's a we're always like really 
it's a, it's a special day whenever we you know spend all this time designing something and it finally shows up and you get to hold it and it's tangible and it's and yours real. yeah and it's yeah. ours so well we're excited man thank the, you so much uh, you know for the show tonight uh, if uh, you have plans to obviously two or more in 2020 we'll find out through the power of social media yeah definitely so awesome Andy from Manchester Orchestra right here on Q106.